If you really, if you really want to make yourself indispensable for the glory of God, number one, in your home, at your church, or at your business, or on your team, then do this. Then just start serving people. Start washing feet. Expecting nothing. I mean expecting nothing in return. Welcome to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. It is a joy to have you listening today, and we pray that you will be encouraged, challenged, and motivated to live for God like never before. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor John Couch. Father, we come before you now, and oh God, we lift your name on high. We give you glory, we give you praise. Worthy, worthy is the Lamb who was slain. So Father, as we open your word, I pray that you would speak. God, I pray that the word would go forth in power. I pray our hearts will be crushed. And God, I pray that you will get the praise and you will receive all the glory. Oh, God, help me to decrease right now while you increase. And to you be that praise, to you be that glory. And we pray this in the mighty and the matchless name of King Jesus. Amen. Take your Bible, and we're starting a new series. I want you to turn to the small letter of Philemon. Uh, Some call it Philemon. Some call it Philemon. Uh, We're going to go with Philemon. And I pray you take your Bible and turn there. Probably some of you right now are in the book of Table of Contents because you're trying to figure out where Philemon is. But let's turn there in the New Testament, a tiny little letter uh, just after Titus and right before Hebrews. So if you're somewhere around Titus or near Hebrews, uh, you're close. And simply the title of the sermon series is the pursuit of interceding for others. The pursuit of interceding for others. You think about that title and what that means, and as you look at that, in order to pursue, there's intentionality. In order to intercede, there must be intentionality. And we want to do this for others. Christ did this for us. He interceded for us. And we want to intercede for others. And our first study here today is just simply the title of Humility and Love Modeled. Humility and Love Modeled. As you hopefully have found the book of Philemon, uh, the intro, the author of Philemon is Paul, a prison epistles. He wrote Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians and also Philemon in his first imprisonment. He's writing from prison around 60 A.D. roughly. And the epistle of Philemon is the only private letter. Don't miss that. It's the only private letter that we have from Paul. In all of his writings, as God took this man who was an executioner of Christians, as he held the cloaks, he led them off to prison... And yet this Damascus Road experience in Acts chapter 9, Paul got radically rocked. His life got radically changed by the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He writes the majority of the New Testament. 
and yet this is the only private letter. And so here's what the text says in just these three short verses that we'll begin to study. Here's what it says. Paul, don't miss this, a prisoner of Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer, to the beloved Aphia and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. Don't miss that. Now look at verse 3. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Incredible text here. He's coming right out of the chute, right out of the gate Paul is as he writes this. And he simply says, Paul, he identifies himself, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ and Timothy, our brother. It seems very arbitrary per se, or not that important what's being said here, but it's mission critical. Paul is identifying who he is. Paul, the name Paul, very simply means small or little. Not a compliment per se. Uh, You probably wanted uh, the name that said uh, uh, muscular, uh, tall, powerful, imposing. No, he has this name that means small or little. And yet in the midst of that, we can deduct that here's what God does. He takes what's small and little, insignificant, and God takes it and shapes it and molds it, and He uses it for His praise, for His glory. God takes the things of this world that seem mighty, that seem powerful, that seem strong, and and God takes those and makes those things look foolish because it's God and His glory that's strong. It's God and His power that's mighty. It's God and what He does, all for the fame of His name, that is so potent, that is so intoxicating, that is so intoxicating. It's God, it's God, it's God. And then Paul says... Prisoner. Paul, a prisoner. Prisoner, one that is bound, one that is captive. Prisoner of who? Here's the object of who he's a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christos. Jesus Christ. Jesus means Jehovah is salvation. Jesus Christ, Christos, the Redeemer, the Anointed One, the Messiah. You see the object of now who Paul is in Christ? As I alluded to earlier, he used to be this one man, but he's no longer that man. The old things have passed away. All things have become new. Paul doesn't look behind. He puts the things behind, behind. He rips off the rearview mirror of life. He says, I'm no longer that man. I had that Damascus road. I encountered this Jesus who is called the Christ. My life is no longer my own. I live for the one who took my place. That's what Paul is saying. I'm a prisoner. I'm bound and I'm held captive willingly to the one. I'm held And I'm bound in captivity to the one 
who took my place, who bought my life back as He redeemed me. He pulled me from the grip of sin. He pulled me from the grip of darkness. He took my feet out of the miry clay and He set me on high hills. I am bound. I am captive. I'm a prisoner to the Lord Jesus Christ. How about you today? And then He says these words, and Timothy, our brother. Timothy. Paul's mentee. He's a resident of Lystra. Apparently, whose father was Greek and mother a Jewess. He's our brother. He's a fellow believer. He's united to one another by this bond of affection. That's what's so important about this introduction, this greeting. It seems again so insignificant, but it's not. It's God's holy word and God is showing us that Paul, this small little one in his name, that God goes forth in his power, that God goes forth with his might and he takes what looks small and he uses it mightily for his glory. He's our fellow brother. He's our fellow believer. He's united by the bond of affection that's in Christ Jesus. See, that's what happens with fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord. We are now united together. It doesn't matter the color, the race, the economics, the demographics. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We are now one in Christ under His blood, under His righteousness, as we are dressed and clothed in His righteousness alone. See, in so many of Paul's letters, he begins with the launching pad of Paul, an apostle. Communicating his authority. Don't miss this, dear one. But here he takes a completely polar opposite approach in his greeting. He says, Paul, a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't say Paul, an apostle. He could have. But there's a method to his madness by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit as he is writing this letter, the only private letter to Philemon, He writes this and says, Paul, what? A prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. Like, don't miss that. See, the key in this is your key number one that I want to give you now. And key number one in this study of the pursuit of interceding for others, and maybe right now as I'm talking and you're listening, the Holy Spirit is saying, I need you to go intercede for Him. I need you to go intercede for her. This key number one is so crucial. And here it is. Key number one, write it down. If I am to intercede for others, I must show sacrificial love and self-emptying humility. Let me say that again. Write it down. Key number one, if I and to intercede for others, I must show, I must extend, I must model sacrificial love and self-emptying humility. If you're really going to intercede, there has to be a sacrifice there of love. There has to be a humility that is emptied of self. That's humility in its definition. That we're thinking of others and no longer self. See, the world might say, way to go, Paul. You followed this Jesus, and look where it got you. 
And the world would mock. The world would say, hey man, you're a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. But even though Paul is physically in prison, listen closely, dear one, even though he is physically in this first imprisonment, Paul is more free than he has ever been as his life is now no longer his own. See, there's so many people, so many people that are living in bondage today. They're living in shackles. They're living in a self-imposed prison. They have all the toys of the world. They have all the accolades. They have the success. They have the trophy life. They have the American dream. And yet the reality is this. They're living in a self-imposed prison. You can have everything in this life and be in bondage. You can have everything in this life and be in a prison. Not with Paul, though. Paul did not say he was a prisoner of Rome. He said he's a prisoner of Jesus. What a badge of honor. He didn't say I'm a prisoner of Rome. Rome didn't hold the keys to him. Jesus holds the keys to Paul. Paul says with glory and with emphasis and with great boasting in the Lord, he says, Paul, a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. How about you? Are you a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ? What a badge. What a badge of honor. Because who or what we worship is who or what we are imprisoned to. Let me say that again. Who or what you worship is who or what you are imprisoned to. If you are worshiping the American dream and accomplishing all the goals and all that you think will bring you the contentment and the peace and the joy that you so desperately crave, if that's what you are imprisoned to, we could say this truthfully, that's what you worship. So if you're going to intercede for others, you can't be enslaved to the things of this world. You have to be enslaved to Jesus and Him alone if you're truly going to serve and minister and intercede for others. That's the only way this can happen. Write this supporting text down, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8-9. through 9. Write this down. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8-9. through 9. Paul writes here to young Timothy as he's pouring into this brother. He says, remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, for which I suffer troubles and evildoer, even to the point of chains. And then Paul says these words. Don't miss these words. He says, but the word of God is not chained. Do you believe that today? in the midst of your struggle, in the midst of your heartache, in the midst of your pain, do you believe that today, that the Word of God is not chained? See, Paul says, look, I'm in these physical chains. He's writing to Timothy. He's writing there in that other letter, and he's saying, look, I'm in prison, and I'm in prison for the gospel. But understand this, Timothy. I'm not in chains. Not spiritually. Not mentally. Not emotionally. Oh, I may be physically in chains. The word that has radically transformed my life. I am not in chains because the word of God is not chained. 
Oh, they may have me in physical chains, but you can't chain the word of God. Oh, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of my God will stand forever. You cannot chain the word of God. See, the reality is that many people ask God what he wants for them. But they've never dealt with, they've never confronted face to face what God wants from them. See, so often we'll just pray, God, what do you want for me? And that's a good thing in and of itself. God, what do you want for me? But the reality is we first got to go to God, what do you want from me? Because once we deal with what God wants from us, he will show us, he will show us what he wants for us. Perhaps you're here today and you're wanting to intercede for someone else. Perhaps today that you're wanting to extend sacrificial love and humility to someone else. But perhaps you are stuck at point A because you keep pounding on the door of heaven asking God what he wants for you and you really need to start asking God what he wants from you. God doesn't take us to where he wants for us until he first addresses in our lives what he wants from us. We got to go to the from before we answer the for. And so many times we have this thing backwards, even in Christendom, even in churchdom. How about you? You're listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. All of Pastor Couch's messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. In addition, you can share your prayer requests with us via email. Our email address for prayer requests is prayer at thisdayministries.org. That's prayer at thisdayministries.org. And now, back to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch. What about the second part there, verse 1, where Paul says to Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer, Philemon literally means this, one who kisses. He's a convert to Christianity under Paul in Colossae. He's our beloved friend. He's highly esteemed. He's worthy of love. He's our fellow laborer. He's a companion in the work. We can't do the work alone. We can't be in isolation. Those that are in isolation get destroyed. But when we have two or better than one and a threefold strand cannot be easily broken. Paul knows this and he's complimenting Philemon as he's writing to him this appeal as Paul is interceding. So what does verse 2 say? Verse 2 says this, To the beloved of Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. This is so important. Aphia, it means fruitful. Perhaps it was Philemon's wife. Archippus, perhaps Philemon's son. Or may, perhaps, he could have been a pastor there who took the place of Epaphras, who had gone to Rome to assist Paul. There's some debate and what all their roles were, but we know this very clearly through Scripture in the canon as we read this, that to the beloved of Phia, or Kephas, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. 
See, this fellow soldier is so important. It means an associate, one who labors in the conflicts for the cause of Christ. There's a fellow laborer, there's a fellow soldier. Do you see the connection here? And again, if we're assuming that Aphia and Archippus are related to Philemon, this would make logical sense why Paul was including them as they would have been included by the offended party Onesimus. And we're going to learn later as we study this short letter together of how he went AWOL and his status in that. But also don't miss this, and to the church in your house. So very, very key Because the church, this is this ecclesia, this gathering of Christians who intentionally and urgently meet together as they gather in community. They're meeting in the house. Please note this, church family, as you're interceding for someone else, as you're praying even right now and thinking about who to intercede for, as the Holy Spirit is speaking to your life, that who can I have sacrificial love towards? Who can I have humility towards? Note this, that the church is not what we do. The church is who we are. Don't miss that. The church is not what we do. The church is who we are. As that old song that we sang as a child went, the church is not a building. The church is not a steeple. The church is not a resting place. The church is the people. I am the church. You are the church. We are the church together. All of God's people all around the world, yes, we are the church together. See, Paul knew this. He's imploring them through this letter as he's interceding. And as he does so with love and humility and grace, it models for us what key number two is. And key number two is simply this. Write this down. Key number two in your notes If I am to intercede for others, I must embrace that it's no longer about me. And it's all about we. Let me say that again. Key number two. If I am to truly intercede for others, I must embrace that it's no longer about me. It's all about we. Notice who Paul is aiming the focus on. Others, which is ultimately Jesus. External focus. This concept is one of, if not the most difficult, oh, in the human flesh, to not rebel against because we are inherently focused inward. I mean, this is tough. This is tough sledding. This is like plowing through concrete. This is not easy, and yet thriving, healthy homes, churches, businesses, and teams make it their aim to focus on John 13, to wash feet, and to realize the power of the pack. There's no I in team. And yes, teamwork, as was once said, as was once said, teamwork certainly does make the dream work. So what's the goal? Well, the goal is simple. The goal is always God's purpose over personal preference. If you're going to intercede for someone else today through sacrificial love and through humility, the goal has to be God's purpose over personal preference. Run everything through the glory of God filter. Run it through that filter. The glory of God filter is what I'm going to do next going to give glory to God. Yes. Okay. Move forward. Run it through the glory of God filter is what I'm going to do next going to give glory to God. I don't think it will. Don't do it. Abandon it. Flee from it. Run. 
You say, boy, that sounds harsh. Think about Galatians 2.20. Galatians 2.20. Paul writes there to the church in Galatia, this famous verse that we all know. But what an important reminder. When he writes this, he said, I have been crucified with Christ. There's a putting to death. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Do you see this? If you're really going to intercede for others, you're going to die to self. It can no longer be about you. If you're going to intercede for others and it's about you, you're not going to be able to intercede for others. Richard Baxter said it like this. Seeking self is self-destroying. And self-denial is the only way to our safety. Let me read that again. Richard Baxter said this. Self-seeking is self-destroying. And self-denial is the only way to our safety. Let me give you a hint here. If you really, if you really want to make yourself indispensable for the glory of God, number one, in your home, at your church, or at your business, or on your team, then do this, then just start serving people. Start washing feet, expecting nothing. I mean expecting nothing in return. Just wash feet, minister, serve, and expect nothing in return. Love those who hate you. That's hard. And be willing to perform the menial tasks that will not gain you any applause from men. Serve. Love those who hate you. Perform the menial tasks that will get you absolutely zero regarding the applause of men. Do that. And watch how your life changes. Watch the impact you have. That's why you have to have a mentality of no job is too small. All hands on deck if we're really going to make a difference for God's glory. I mean, one practical way you can do this, very practically. This is not a salvation issue, but one practical way to encourage your church is to be there every Sunday. Make a commitment. Man, we will drive an hour or two to the ball game. We'll sit for three hours in the pouring rain. We'll drive home an hour or two to get home. We'll spend seven hours of our day a complete wet mess when we get home. And yet, hey, we have joy, we have contentment, we have peace, supposedly. Supposedly. And yet, an hour or two on a Sunday morning to devote to the glory of God, to show Him how much that you love Him, and you love the bride of Christ, and you want to treasure Him, you want to make a difference, you want to be used for His glory. Oh, I implore you today, be committed to the body of Christ as you intercede for them. See, so many times when we don't show up, we don't know what we're missing, and we don't know how much we're missed. It's important that we intercede for others. So what does verse 3 say? 
Verse 3 goes on and says this, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is more, listen church family, this is more than Paul just giving a hearty, well-wishing moment. This is just not a Hallmark card. This is just not something that you do put on a coffee mug, uh, put on a mantle to make people feel good. No, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. What is grace? What is grace? Grace is charis. It's unmerited favor. It's the gift of receiving what we do not deserve. Think about this. We've received grace from God. We were dead in our trespasses. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love for us, he gave Jesus Christ, who through his substitutionary atonement stood in my place and died the death that I should have died. That's grace. What's peace? Peace. Irene. The tranquil state of the soul. That truly does. Listen, church family. It's a tranquil state of the soul that abides in the true vine, Jesus. You will not have peace apart from Jesus. It's impossible. You will only have peace when you know intimately the Prince of Peace, and His name is Jesus Christ. You will have zero peace if you do not know the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. Where do we get the peace from? Well, right here in the text, it's from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're going to intercede for someone else and you want peace, you've got to go to God and through the royal righteous blood of Jesus, there are no exceptions. There's no loopholes. There's no fine print at the end of the contract. There's no other way to get around this. It's only through Jesus. Yes, it's exclusive. It's through Him and Him alone because there's no other name that we can be saved but only by the blood of Jesus Christ. He's our Father, God, our Heavenly Father. He's our Lord. And what does that mean? It seems so simple, but that Lord is so powerful because it means this, that it's He to whom a person or thing belongs. He has the power over. He's the master of. He's the possessor of. Let me ask you this today. Who owns you? If you're really going to intercede for someone else and love them sacrificially with humility... If you own yourself, let me know how this works out. Because the only way this is going to be accomplished is when the Lord Jesus Christ, through God our Father, when He owns you, that's how you accomplish truly interceding, truly denying self, truly emptying of self and dying empty of self and loving sacrificially and with great humility. The only way this can happen is when Jesus Christ has taken over your life. See, that's why key number three, key number three, and I want you to write it down, so important, key number three, if I am to intercede for others, I must willingly extend God's grace and peace to them. Let me say that again. Key number three, if I am to intercede for others, I must willingly, don't miss that, extend God's grace, His charis, and peace, His arena to them. God extended His grace and peace to us. How do we have any right and any audacity 
to not extend His grace and His peace to others. We have no right. Matter of fact, when we're a true believer in Jesus Christ, it's a joy to extend His grace and His peace to others. There's that old phrase that rings true in my mind here today. It's hard to hate the guy that you're hugging. It's hard to hate the guy that you're hugging. Well, tell you what, when you're hugging one another, when you're truly fellowshipping together, when you are working as a fellow laborer, a fellow soldier in the battle to advance the gospel, it's hard to hate the guy who you're serving with. Because the reality is that the peace of God is an outflow and a byproduct of the grace of God. Think about Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Paul says this, he says, Therefore, or in light of what was just said in the preceding verses, having been justified by faith, declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God. How? Well, here it is. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you catch that? We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is so beautiful. This is so encouraging. See, so many people are looking for peace. They're hungry, they're desperate, they're thirsting for peace. Life is hard. We feel beat up so often. It's just a struggle to live life. We get the health report. We have financial challenges. Uh, The marriage is falling apart. The kids aren't behaving. Fill in the blanks. The car's blowing up. The appliances aren't working. One stress, one heartache after another. People are hungry. They're hungry for peace. And do you understand this from Romans 5.1? That therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So many people want the peace of God. But do you understand this? You will never, you will never, you will never have the peace of God unless you first have peace with God. You can't have the of until you first have the with. So many people will take the fire insurance of Jesus. They will raise that hand. They will do whatever you tell them to do as long as they can have peace with God. And the way you have peace with him is to give your life to him. You don't hang on to anything. You surrender everything. Jesus abandoned everything to go to the cross for you. He expects you to abandon your life, to be a true disciple of his. As that old quote goes, salvation is free, but discipleship will cost you your life. How about you today? Do you have peace with God? Or are you just looking for the peace of Him? Are you just looking for the peace of God? Or do you understand that you want to have peace with Him first? I don't know if you understand this, but let me give you an example of what this means. See, before Christ, we were spiritually dead. We once walked in darkness. According to the prince of the power of the air. We were sons of disobedience. We were children of wrath. We had no hope. We were once far off. We had enmity with God. We were strangers to God. We were foreigners towards God. That doesn't sound very promising, does it? That sounds pretty sorry if you ask me. It was sorry. See, we didn't have peace with God. 
But because of Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, as he came on the scene, here's what happened. Because of what he did, and when we truly surrender and give our lives to him, here's what happens because of God through Jesus Christ. We know this, but God made us alive together with Christ. By grace, we have been saved. We've been raised up. We've been made to sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That we might do what? That we might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. We now have the gift of God. We are his workmanship. We were brought near. Don't miss this. We were brought near by the blood of Christ. He himself is our peace. Christ has broken down the middle wall of separation. Christ abolished the enmity between God and man. Christ created the new man and made peace with God. We were reconciled to God by Christ. Christ put to death the enmity between us and God. And through Christ, we now have access to the Father. We are now fellow citizens and saints because of Christ. Do you see, dear one, today? Do you see this? Why Satan is so vicious in his attacks and his deceptions? Do you see what he has to lose when you truly turn to Christ? When you truly give your life to him? Do you see this? Do you want to intercede for someone today? So here's the takeaway question if you said yes. If you really want to intercede for someone today, ask yourself this question. Who does God desire for me to intercede for? Who does God desire for me to intercede for? And then the action step is simply this. Write down right now who he wants you to intercede for. And begin to pray for them daily. Invite them to church. Minister to them. Serve them. Care for them. Intercede for them. Go love them sacrificially. Go love them with humility. Go be Christ in the flesh to them. Because as the sermon series is entitled, the pursuit of interceding for others has to be intentional. We will never, church, we will never stumble into interceding for others by accident. It doesn't happen. There has to be an intentional pursuit To say, that's the person. To say, that's the person that I need to intercede for. And you go after them in love and for God's glory, for His praise. Because as Spurgeon said, this shall be an infallible test to you concerning anyone's ministry. If it is man praising and man honoring, it's not of God. Oh, I pray today, church family, you know that brokenness leads to surrender. Surrender leads to obedience, and obedience leads to contentment and the joy in the Lord. Oh, dear one, what does God want from you today? Because when He has what He wants from you, He will then reveal what He has for you. You've been listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. Don't forget that all of these messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. That's thisdayministries.org. In addition, if you have been blessed by the teaching of God's Word during This Day in the Word, we would love to hear from you. Our email address is info at thisdayministries.org. 
Thanks again for listening as we strive to honor Christ and impact our world as we spend this day in the Word.